0: We're all just looking at our Instagram accounts and liking things while they're voting on whether people can afford to keep their children alive or not. Yeah, that's going on too.
1: Well don't I came here tonight?
0: That's one
2: reason. I got
1: the feeling that something right. A lot
2: of them today. I'm so
1: scared in case i fall off
2: my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. To the left of me Jokers to the right
1: Here I am Stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in From the middle From
2: Pacifica Radio you. in Los Angeles This is The Bradcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, right in, LA in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ On the Central Coast 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP, In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, on New Orleans, WHIV 102.3, Washington, D.C.'s 105.5 FM, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We are also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every single day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Great to have you with us. Uh, coming up, uh, we've got a lot coming up today on the show
1: like every day. <laughs> yes, like
2: every day these days. Uh, so the latest on the uh, the Republican, uh, latest Republican attempt to uh, repeal and replace Obamacare, that is coming up. Um, and it's got to come up quick, uh, it, it, not just in today's show, but it's got to come up quick for a vote in the U.S. Senate. We will explain the latest on that shortly. Also, uh, a point that I wanted to get to on uh, on our program yesterday, French President Emmanuel Macron uh, responded to Donald Trump's first address to the United Nations General Assembly on Tuesday by, among other things, noting that there was one big issue that Trump uh, failed to mention during his 45-minute address, and that was climate change. Now, that would have been particularly notable Given Trump's recent announcement that he was pulling the U.S. out of the uh, voluntary the voluntary global accord known as the Paris Agreement and doing so, by the way, on remarkably specious reasons. Uh, or uninformed reasons, or ignorant reasons, whatever you want to call them. All
1: of the above.
2: But the absence of uh, mentioning climate change at all was even more conspicuous. I thought, given the seemingly unending stream of hurricanes so far this season uh, here in the uh, here in North America, including a major Category five storm that was preparing to slam Puerto Rico, even as Trump was addressing. The United Nations, that's U.S. territory, Puerto Rico. Macron uh, noted in response uh, in his own remarks that, quote, the planet will not negotiate with us, he said in defending the Paris Accord and the french president who had struck up a uh, a bit of a bromance is that fair to say with uh, with
1: donald trump uh, that might be overstating it i think he was the designated friend of yeah. all of the european yeah. leaders he was sort of you're put, the one that has to go talk to him
2: right yeah he was put in charge of donald trump exactly. by the eu pretty That's much what I it think. seems yeah uh, but they got along well, and uh, he said uh, about Trump renouncing the Paris Accord that he fully respected the decision of the U.S., but that the door would always be open, alluding to the possibility that the uh, that the U.S. might someday rejoin the pact. They can't yes. officially leave it until we can't officially leave it until 2020. That's is it? right. the uh, okay. The
1: actual official date would be uh, the, the day after Election Day, 2020.
2: Uh, Macron said, however, we will continue to work with all governments. We will continue to implement the Paris Agreement in what appeared to be a bit of a swipe at Trump uh, and his embrace of oil and coal. Macron also said that France's position, quote, may not be pleasing to those who believe the future is looking to the past wonder who he was talking about in mm. that comment. In any event, many major U.S. corporations have also slammed Donald Trump's renunciation of the of the uh, landmark Paris Agreement. At least they've done so publicly. But what they're doing with their money and which politicians that they are investing in, and I think that's a nice way to put it, uh, bribing might be a better way to put it, but... But we'll use investing. Uh, We'll say investing for the moment. That's a different matter. We'll be joined uh, a bit later in the show by an investigative journalist who has been taking a look at the different public versus private positions of some of the major companies uh, like Google, like Microsoft, Coca-Cola, and many others who say that they support, that they still support the Paris Agreement, even after Donald Trump announced he was pulling out. But uh, these companies, their financial donations suggest something very, very different. So we will uh, talk about that in a bit. Meanwhile, uh, on the uh, 32nd anniversary of the massive earthquake that killed about 10,000 people in Mexico back in 1985, uh, the country was struck with their second major quake in about one week in Mexico. The two quakes, according to geologists, were in theory not directly related to each other. At least the second was not, for example, an aftershock from the first. The first quake last week was an 8.1 magnitude quake, killed some 90 people so far. The uh, Tumblr on Tuesday was only, only, I say, uh, a magnitude 7.1, but it has... So far killed over 220 people as we go to air, with uh, countless still reportedly missing under dozens of collapsed buildings across Mexico City, uh, one of the most densely populated cities on Earth, um, and other cities and towns nearby. Frantic efforts are still underway at this hour to rescue survivors. Forbes reports that the U.S. Geological Survey has predicted up to 1,000 fatalities in total in that, yeah, and uh, an economic impact of somewhere from $1 to $10 as a result of that earthquake. Frankly, that number seems low. Um, And that's on top of last week's uh, earthquake uh, and on top of the two hurricanes and two other tropical storms that have slammed Mexico in the past three weeks or so alone. Uh, So uh, sending our best I guess, to Mexico. That's about all I think the U.S. can be expected to send, at least as a nation, uh, Donald Trump... I, I don't even know if he has spoken about. He what's did. Going. did he, he... he
1: did tweet uh, for what that's worth. He tweeted his sympathies to Mexico. Instead, we will be there for and said we will be there for you. But as far as any actual concrete offers of help or actual concrete help, I don't think we've actually put anything out as a nation yet.
2: And that's in and that follows just uh, a couple of weeks ago after Harvey Hurricane Harvey hit uh, Houston. And the president of Mexico uh, promised aid, help, anything that the U.S. uh, might need. And I don't know that Donald Trump even responded to that offer.
1: That is the one that is really concerning, because as far as I can tell, he did not uh, respond at all. The U.S. government did not respond at all, not even to express sympathy on Twitter. So that is unfortunately... uh, and what, a bad, a bad foreign policy. I'm you sorry. think?
2: Yeah. And after yeah. the, um, I, I don't know if it was one of the earthquakes or one of the uh, storms that hit Mexico, uh, they, they withdrew their offer to help us out because they needed the help on their own, and they're going to continue needing that for a while. Boy, it would be sure, sure would make a lot of friends around the country if you know we pulled back all of these troops that are killing people all over the world and brought them home and deployed them to places like uh, Mexico, with their permission, of course, and these various island nations suffering from from these hurricanes, uh, you know, to save people yeah, instead rescue, of killing them.
1: Rescue, recovery, rebuilding. We
2: were able to approve a $700 billion uh, military uh, bill just days ago um but you know there's going to be fights about how much to spend in Florida in Texas in Puerto Rico get to that in a moment uh, you know in in the US Congress but spending 700 billion dollars on our military apparently that's no problem
1: and nobody at least in the media seems to ask well how are you going to pay for that
2: yeah uh, speaking of, about the military right. bill yeah oh they that's never ask no that. that's that's no problem <laughs> that's just assumed uh, speaking of hurricanes and uh, Puerto Rico, on, on Tuesday night, Puerto Rican Governor Ricardo Rossello warned that Hurricane Maria promised to be much more devastating than was Hurricane Irma just one week earlier, uh, which just skirted Puerto Rico. That storm killed at least 70 people overall as it plowed through the Caribbean and the southeastern U.S. earlier this month. Rossello warned residents on the U.S. territory... <sighs> If you are in a flood zone, your life is in danger. If you are in a wooden house, your life is in danger. Puerto Rico's commissioner of public safety was was more blunt as the then Category 5 storm was about to come ashore. He said, you have to evacuate. Otherwise, you are going to die.
1: Hmm.
2: He said, I do not know how to make this any clearer. Well, Maria came ashore. Uh, in Puerto Rico on uh, early on Wednesday morning as a major Category 4 storm with winds of 155 miles per hour. It has now knocked out power across the entire island, again, a U.S. territory. Um, So information coming out of there is somewhat limited due to that lack of power, but the storm has reportedly triggered very heavy flooding today. Uh, in an onslaught that is likely to plunge the U.S. territory into an even deeper financial crisis than they have already been facing in recent years, uh, life-threatening winds uh, will be punishing that island of some three and a half million people uh, over the next 12 hours or so. Still, the uh, Puerto Rico's emergency management director is quoted by AP as saying, once we're able to go outside, we're going to find our 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 island destroyed. He said, The information we have received is not encouraging. It's a system that has destroyed everything in its path. The mayor of the northern coastal city of Catano told AP that 80% of about 450 homes in one neighborhood known as uh, Juanamatos were destroyed. The fishing community on San Juan Bay was hit with a storm surge of more than four feet, he said. The good news, if we can call it that, is that uh, the storm has, for the moment, weakened now to a Category 2 with winds only, and I put that in air quotes, only at 110 miles per hour, though it could strengthen again once it's over water and uh, it's projected to skirt the Dominican Republic before then moving north. I don't believe that landfall on the U.S. mainland is currently predicted.
1: Not as far as I've seen. It's very unclear what the path is, but right now it looks like it's going to just sort of go to the side of the East Coast, sort of like Jose did.
2: That would be uh, that would be good. Uh, but, but the water
1: uh, is really warm uh, in the Atlantic right now, so there is a lot of energy for it to gather for uh, to, to to strengthen, and that could also. Cause it to go in some wacky ways.
2: This uh, storm was, I think it was a Category 1 on Tuesday, and it, like, uh, within hours became a Category 5. Yes, rapid intensification.
1: It was very rapid. It was, I think, between 12 to 15 hours.
2: Uh, But uh, this was the third strongest storm to make landfall in the U.S. in history. Stronger even than Hurricane Irma a week ago when it slammed the Florida Keys uh, earlier this month. The island of Dominica, which got slammed late Monday by by Maria, uh, reported at least seven deaths uh, on that small island nation. And according to an advisor to the prime minister, suffered, quote, tremendous loss of housing and public buildings. He said the country was still in a daze with no electricity and little to no communication, still across that island as well. Puerto Rico is seeking disaster a disaster declaration from President Trump to help speed federal aid. Trump said today on Twitter that, quote, our hearts are with you. We will be there to help. They're going to need more than hearts. We will see what happens. It has been like pulling teeth to get federal disaster relief money for places like New York and New Jersey, for Christ's sake, after Superstorm Sandy in 2013. So I can't imagine that Republican lawmakers are going to be falling over themselves to send billions of dollars to Puerto Rico, uh, even those who know that it's a U.S. territory. (laughs) Snarky? Too snarky?
1: No. (laughs) Uh,
2: So... Uh, anyway, um, so all of that is going on. And even as all of that is going on, Republicans in the U.S. Senate seem to be more interested, more concerned in taking away health care from Americans for some reason. And they're in a rush to do it. We'll be back. Uh, Let's take a quick break here. We'll be back with the with the latest on the frantic push to... Um, By GOP lawmakers to cut some eight hundred billion dollars in federal funding for American health care. As those uh, senators race the clock to find 50 votes to repeal and replace Obamacare before the deadline for doing so with only 50 votes expires at the end of this month, reportedly it is not going well. But I will believe that when we get to October 1 uh, without a vote to gut uh, Obama's Affordable Care Act. Quick break and we're back with that after this and much more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. (laughs) Yeah, I think they do. Really Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Rachel Nevins from the Center for Public Integrity will be uh, joining us uh, in a few minutes here to discuss some rather remarkable corporate hypocrisy uh, concerning um, concerning the climate and concerning, well, you'll see. Just stay tuned for that. Uh, In the meantime, uh, the number of Americans lacking health insurance coverage continued to drop during the final year of the Obama administration. Uh, That supposedly will further complicate the Republican effort to dismantle Obamacare. The uninsured rate fell to 8.8 percent. Last week, apparently, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, a total of 29 million Americans were still uninsured as of last year. But that's a uh, but that's a drop of some 900,000 from 2015, from the year before that, despite the fact that uh, the Trump administration has been telling us over and over again how Obamacare is crumbling, it's Uh, falling from its own weight, it's a failure, it's dead, it's over. Uh, That uh, 2016 mark uh, was the third straight year in which the Census Bureau recorded a drop in the share of Americans without uh, uh, health care coverage. That's a good thing. Prior to full implementation of the Affordable Care Act, the uninsured rate stood at some 13.3%. Much higher. So it was cut uh, almost in half, a little bit less than, than half, by the Affordable Care Act. But there are indications that the uninsured population has begun to swell in recent months, according to Politico, thanks to uncertainty about the future of Obamacare. The latest Gallup survey found that 11.7% of adults lacked health insurance. That's a .8%. Uh, Increase 0.8-point increase uh, since last year. In addition, a survey by the Commonwealth Fund found significant upticks in the uninsured rate among certain demographic groups, including adults age 35 to 49 and individuals with incomes at or above the 400% of the federal poverty level. The Trump administration, of course, has been offering mixed signals, to say the least, about how it will implement Obamacare. If at all, the administration has gutted enrollment outreach efforts and suggested that it might not enforce the tax penalty on individuals who fail to obtain coverage. So, you know, if you were thinking, hey, should I pay for health insurance this year? Well, uh, the Trump administration will probably have no problem with that, and they probably won't fine you for that, as per the Affordable Care Act um, mandate. That requires everyone's to ha- everyone to everyone to have insurance. The Trump administration has continually pointed to turbulence in Obamacare markets as evidence that the health care law is collapsing. But in fact, the markets are doing fine in most places. There are some troubled areas, but um, otherwise, it's uh, it's it's doing fine, and it's ensuring that um, you know some 30 million Americans now have health care who did not have it before. But um, nonetheless, uh, despite that, uh, or perhaps because of that, Republicans are dead set on killing this law no matter what. And I remember when it kept uh, their, their efforts kept failing in the Congress and I kept saying, no, people, it's not over. Democrats are announcing it's over. We've saved Obamacare yeah. No, it's not over. It keeps coming back like Frankenstein. It's a zombie uh, effort by these Republicans. And And they,
1: as you said, have a zeal to repeal it, no matter the impact on millions of Americans.
2: No matter. Uh, And so now they've got this new bill, the Graham-Cassidy-Heller-Johnson bill. And a new report released, which they have to pass. They have to pass it before the end of the month because now they can pass it with just 50 votes under Senate rules. Thereafter, they'll have to pass it under 60 votes, at least as long as the Republicans allow the filibuster for uh, legislation to stay in place. But uh, now TPM's Alice Olstein reports that a new report released today... Uh, reveals just how much states could lose under this new Senate GOP uh, scheme to repeal Obamacare. Uh, in total, a decrease of $215 billion in federal health care spending by 2026. That's what this bill will be. And more than $4 trillion cut by 2036, according to this new report by the health care consulting group Avalere. Um, this, and and you know, pretty much, no matter what these Republicans say, if you cut that kind of money for a trillion dollars from health care, you are going to get less health care. The Senate could potentially vote next week on the Graham Cassidy bill to uh, repeal much of the Affordable Care Act and convert Medicaid uh, into a uh, into dwindling block grants to states. The bill's Republican backers acknowledge that there will be winners and losers, so that's thoughtful of them, under the uh, under the plan, but they are planning to bring the bill to a vote without getting a complete analysis from the Congressional Budget Office, and that is no doubt for a reason. So they're not going to get a complete analysis of its costs, its expected coverage losses. Uh, previous bills have uh, that they've tried to pass have uh, included some 32 million Americans who would lose health care coverage if the Republican bills uh, were passed. So, uh, Without the CBO score, independent assessments like Avalaire's um, are among the very few data points that we have for analyzing this bill's impact. Under the bill's formula, which largely redistributes money from blue states to red states, conveniently enough, from Democratic-leaning states to Republican-leaning states, Uh, Some of the largest progressive states that expanded Medicaid under Obamacare would see the biggest cuts, like California and New York. Yay! Each of uh, those states would lose tens of billions of dollars over the next decade under the Graham-Cassidy plan. But it's not just the uh, the blue states, the so-called blue progressive states. It's important to note also here that several states... That are run by Republicans in the U.S. Senate uh, who are undecided on this bill, like uh, Susan Collins in Maine, Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, uh, Shelley Moore Capito in West Virginia, um, Ohio, Arizona, John McCain's Arizona. They would also see some pretty painful cuts under this bill, according to Avalair. Even one of the main authors of the bill, Louisiana's Republican Senator Bill Cassidy, will see a loss to his state of some 8 billion dollars by 2026 compared to current law and a total of 97 billion dollars to Louis lost taken away from Louisiana uh, cumulatively between 2020 and uh, and 2023- uh, 2036 if this thing passes. So, uh, Democrats and healthcare advocacy groups are sounding the alarm on this about the bill. They're asking folks to call their senators, 202-224-3121, to to give their opinion. But the fact that uh, Bill Cassidy, of all people, uh, that he's one of the authors and key sponsors of this uh, of this bill, with his name on the actual bill, that did not go unnoticed by ABC's uh, late night host Jimmy Kimmel, whose son was born a few months back during the last attempt by Republicans to repeal and replace Obamacare with a with a congenital heart disease. Uh, Kimmel uh, Kimmel's son was was born with that disease. It required a number of costly surgeries, and at the time. Kimmel had offered an emotional appeal to Republicans to not kill the Affordable Care Act and its restrictions on things like lifetime caps for insurance and pre-existing conditions rules. So that people who were not as wealthy as Kimmel would not have to make the choice between bankruptcy and, and saving their child. At the same time, after seeing that emotional appeal on the uh, late-night comedy show, Senator Bill Cassidy said he would only support an Obamacare repeal that passed what he called the Jimmy Kimmel test. And now he's the main sponsor of this last-ditch effort. Uh, And, you know, we don't normally play excerpts this long, but I think this one is worth it. Here is Jimmy Kimmel's monologue from the opening of Tuesday night's Jimmy Kimmel Live.
0: I know you guys are going to find this hard to believe, but a few months ago, after my son had open-heart surgery, which was something I spoke about on the air, a politician, a senator named Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, was on my show, and he wasn't very honest. It seemed like he was being honest. He got a lot of credit and attention for coming off like a rare, reasonable voice in the Republican Party when it came to health care, for coming up with something he called, and I didn't name it this, He named it this, the Jimmy Kimmel test, which was, in a nutshell, no family should be denied medical care, emergency or otherwise, because they can't afford it. He agreed to that. He said he would only support a health care bill that made sure a child like mine would get the health coverage he needs no matter how much money his parents make. And that did not uh, have uh, annual or lifetime caps. These insurance companies, they want caps to limit how much they can pay out. So, for instance, if your son has to have three open-heart surgeries, it can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars apiece. If he hits his lifetime cap of, let's say, a million dollars, the rest of his life, he's on his own. Now, our current plan protects Americans from these caps and prevents insurance providers from jacking up the rates for people who have pre-existing conditions uh, of all types. And Senator Cassidy said his plan would do that, too. He said all this on television many times.
2: As you
1: present that,
2: Uh, I asked, does it pass the Jimmy Kimmel test? Would the child born with a congenital heart disease be able to get everything she or he would need in that first year of life? I wanted to pass the Jimmy Kimmel test.
0: Okay, so last week, Bill Cassidy and Senator Lindsey Lindsey Graham proposed a new bill, the Graham-Cassidy bill. And this new bill actually does pass the Jimmy Kimmel test, but um, uh, a different Jimmy Kimmel test. With this one, your child with a pre-existing condition will get the care he needs if and only if his father is Jimmy Kimmel. Otherwise, you might be screwed. Now, I don't know what happened to Bill Cassidy, but when he was on this publicity tour, he listed his demands for a health care bill very clearly. These were his words. He said he wants coverage for all, no discrimination based on pre-existing conditions, lower premiums for middle-class families, and no lifetime caps. And guess what? The new bill does none of those things. Coverage for all? No. In fact, it'll kick about 30 million Americans off insurance. Pre-existing conditions, no, if the bill passes, individual states can let insurance companies charge you more if you have a pre-existing condition. You'll find that little loophole later in the document after it says they can. They can and they will, but will it lower premiums? Well, in fact, for lots of people, the bill will result in higher premiums. And as far as no lifetime caps go, the states can decide on that too, which means there will be lifetime caps in many states. So not only did Bill Cassidy fail the Jimmy Kimmel test, He failed the Bill Cassidy test. He failed his own test. And you don't see that happen very much. This bill he came up with is actually worse than the one that, thank God, Republicans like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and John McCain torpedoed over the summer. And I hope they have the courage and good sense to do that again with this one, because these other guys who claim they want Americans to have better health care, even though eight years ago they didn't want anyone to have health care at all. They're trying to sneak this scam of a bill they cooked up in without an analysis from the Bipartisan Congressional Budget Office. They don't even want you to see it. They're having one hearing. The hearings, uh, I read the hearings being held in the Homeland Security Committee, which has nothing to do with health care. And the chairman agreed to allow two witnesses, Bill Cassidy and Lindsey Graham, to speak. So listen, health care is complicated. It's boring. I don't want to talk about it. The details are confusing. And that's what these guys are relying on. They're counting on you to be so overwhelmed with all the information, you just trust them to take care of you. But they're not taking care of you. They're taking care of the people who give them money, like insurance companies. And we're all just looking at our uh, Instagram accounts and liking things while they're voting on whether people can afford to keep their children alive or not. Most of the Congress people who vote on this bill probably won't even read it. And they want us to do the same thing. They want us to treat it like an iTunes service agreement. And this guy, Bill Cassidy, just lied right to my face. Do you believe that every American, regardless of income, should be able to get regular checkups, maternity care, et cetera, all of those things that people who have health care get and need? Yep. So yep is Washington for nope, I guess. (laughs) And I never imagined I would get involved in something like this. This is not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is eating pizza, and that's really about it. (laughs) But well, we can't let him do this to our children, and our senior citizens, and our veterans, and, or to any of us. And by the way, before you post a nasty Facebook message saying I'm politicizing my son's health problems, I want you to know, I am politicizing my son's health problems, because I have to. My, my family has health insurance. We don't have to worry about this, but other people do. So you can shove your disgusting comments where your doctor won't be giving you a prostate exam... Once they take your health care benefits away. It's truly, it's unbelievable. Somehow Japan and England and Canada, and Germany, France, they all figured health care out. And don't say they have terrible health care because it's just not true. This is a bad bill. But don't take my word for it. Here are just some of the organizations that oppose this Graham-Cassidy bill. The American Cancer Society, the American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, American Lung Association, the Arthritis Foundation, Cystic Fibrosis, the ALS Association, the March of Dimes, Multiple Sclerosis Society, Children's Hospital of LA. Basically, any group you've ever given money to thinks this is a bad idea. Do you trust them, or do you trust him? Okay? (laughs) So if this bill isn't good enough for you, call your congressperson, that's the number, it'll go to your congressperson, wherever he or she is, 202-224-3121. You have to do this, you can't just click like on this video. Tell them this bill doesn't pass your test. And Senator Cassie, you're on my show, you seem like you're a decent guy, but here's the thing, nobody outside of your buddies in Congress wants this bill. Only 12% of Americans supported the last one, and this one is worse. Right now there's a bipartisan group of senators working to improve the health care system we have. We want quality, affordable health care. Dozens of other countries figured it out. So instead of jamming this horrible bill down our throats, go pitch in and be a part of that. I'm sure they could use a guy with your medical background. And if not, not, stop using my name, okay, because I don't want my name on it. There's a new Jimmy Kimmel test for you. It's called the lie detector test. You're welcome to stop by the studio and take it any time.
2: Good for Jimmy Kimmel. Extraordinary hypocrisy. And yes, uh, Bill Cassidy is apparently a a medical doctor. Just amazing. And amazing that uh, late night comedy shows uh, sound more and more like the Bradcast every day, (laughs) don't they? Just incredible hypocrisy. All right. Speaking of hypocrisy, some amazing corporate hypocrisy. We'll talk about that after this break with Rachel Levin. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. (laughs) making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here. With the world and the nation and the nation's media, understandably, I guess, occupied by what we'll call the madness of King Donald, uh, one of the beneficiaries really has been major U.S. corporations. That much is obvious in one sense, in that the uh, Trump administration and Republicans in Congress have been busy rolling back or otherwise just not enforcing all kinds of regulations environmental financial and otherwise but less obvious i think is the lack of attention that uh, many of these companies and their uh, their political payouts really to politicians and political parties is receiving in the otherwise Preoccupied media, including here on the broadcast, I got to admit, a lot of corporations are getting uh, a lot of free rides so far during the Trump era from the public naming and shaming that they might otherwise receive with investigative media scrutiny. A report that caught my eye along those lines this week at the Center for Public Integrity highlighted that point uh, quite a bit. And and so maybe we can do a bit of a corrective here today for a few minutes on the free ride of late that some of these corporations have been receiving in the Trump era. The, uh, the International Climate Fighting Pact would create jobs, said Google recently, according to Rachel Levin and Jamie Smith Hopkins uh, in their report at the Center for Public Integrity this week leaving the deal known as the Paris Accord or the Paris Climate Agreement would be bad for business. Top executives from Bank of America and Coca-Cola have publicly argued. When President Donald Trump committed to yanking the U.S. out of that agreement anyway, PayPal and Western Union countered, quote, We are still in. Presumably, in other words, that means those companies are still committed to reducing their own greenhouse gas emissions in support of the Paris Pact. Well, that's good. Those corporate titans and at least 22 others were among those who sought to preserve the U.S. role in the landmark Paris Agreement, ratified by about 160 countries last year after years of negotiation among all of the world's nations. So why exactly would these 27 business powerhouses also support a GOP group, that has fought to undo a key Obama-era domestic climate initiative, specifically Obama's Clean Power Plan. That's a central tenet of meeting the U.S.'s commitment to the Paris Pact, to lower world emissions of carbon, methane, and other sources of human-made emissions into the atmosphere that causes global warming, and has helped to radically fuel the monster storms we are seeing of late, from Harvey to Irma to Maria. And beyond. So, yeah, why indeed? Uh, The answer, according to Levin and Hopkins, is complicated. They write The overwhelming majority of these companies have no overt incentive to undermine the U.S. climate effort. One leading solar company, in fact, had a driving financial imperative to cheer it on. Nonetheless, CPI reports. These companies donate uh, these companies donations of more than three million dollars to the Republican Attorney General Association over the past three and a half years. That's the group that has been filing lawsuits to prevent almost all of Obama's climate initiatives from moving forward. Uh, so what's up with that? <laughs> how how are they saying one thing and then uh, putting their money somewhere else? Joining us now to understand what seems to be up with that is one of CPI's authors of this new report, Rachel Levin. She's an award winning reporter for the environment team at the Center for Public Integrity. Prior to joining CPI, Rachel served as an environmental reporter at Bloomberg News and at The Hill, where her work earned a Society for Professional Journalists investigative reporting award. The Pulitzer Prize winning Center for Public Integrity is one of the country's oldest and largest nonpartisan nonprofit investigative news organizations focusing on corruption and betrayal of public trust by public and private institutions. I suspect they are very busy of late. Rachel Levin, welcome to the broadcast.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
2: Really appreciate you joining us. All right, the right. Uh, first, just so we understand some of the less understood pieces of this political puzzle. Can you very briefly at least uh, summarize Obama's Clean Power Plan that was initiated during his administration by his EPA uh, back when the world was still a seemingly much saner-ish place?
3: Sure, yeah. The Clean Power Plan is basically President Barack Obama's attempt to restrict and reduce carbon emissions from the U.S. power sector.
2: And to do that, uh, it, it's uh, a matter of limiting uh, uh, power plants and so forth and the types of uh, coal uh, and, the, well, the types of feedstock that they can use to uh, to, to produce energy, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That Clean Power Plan was meant as a central tenet of the U.S. plan to hold up our national commitment to lower man-made emissions as per the Paris Global Initiative, that was central to this entire thing, was it not?
3: Yes, it was a key portion of the U.S.'s commitment.
2: Okay, now, with that in mind, who and what is the uh, Republican Attorneys General Association, or uh, is it? do they call themselves RAJA or R-A-G-A?
3: Sure, yeah. So the Republican Attorneys General Association is basically an organization that pulls together all of the attorneys general that are Republicans, it tries to get more Republicans into those attorneys general positions in states, and it's also been raising the prominence of those positions across the nation. So whereas before, these attorneys general might have done more individual work, now there's more collaboration between them, and you see these attorneys general going into different positions nationally. So Mm -hmm. for example, the EPA's administrator Scott Pruitt was formerly the head of the same organization.
2: It, it, right in Oklahoma. So, uh, well, he was right. Oklahoma's uh, AG, and then he was in charge of the uh, the association. All right. So they, this association. Uh, or at least the attorney generals uh, within it, banded together to sue to prevent the Clean Power Plan from taking place, I think, back in in, in 2015. What, what is the current status, at least, of that case against the Clean Power Plan at this time?
3: The case is currently paused, as the EPA considers its own next steps mm-hmm. in what it wants to do with the Clean Power Plan, From the executive branch.
2: And they actually got uh, approval from that, I think they went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, didn't they, to to put a pause on the Clean Power Plan until it could be uh, heard in, uh, in full in court?
3: Yeah, so the initial pause was a decision by the U.S. Supreme Court. It was a big deal for the U.S. Supreme Court to take that step, and this is actually a later pause Mm-hmm. stemming from that initial decision by the Supreme Court.
2: Okay, then came the ratification. So they were successful there at least for uh for now in uh holding off the clean power plan. Then comes the ratification of the Paris Agreement between nearly 200 countries uh last year and then Donald Trump's subsequent announcement this year that he intends to pull the US out of that agreement. We heard all kinds of Uh, major U.S. companies and CEOs at the time that objected to pulling out of Paris, many of whom you, uh, you, you name in the article here. But at the very same time, they were giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to this Republican AG's association that was trying to kill the plan that they were saying they supported?
3: Yes, that's right.
2: So what sort of responses did you get from these companies when you asked them about what seems to be a very apparent contradiction between the public uh, and uh, public position and, I guess, the behind-the-scenes uh, payouts to these folks working to undermine the thing that they claim to support?
3: Yeah, it was really interesting to hear some of the companies' responses, but the basic summary of most of them was, this is a function of our democratic system to give to politicians and political decision makers, um, and we don't expect all of our values to match up 100% with any politician that we give to, especially because we give on both sides of the aisle, bipartisanly, and on numerous issues that affect our
2: companies. So they were more than willing to say that, uh, yeah, this is just something we do out of uh, political necessity, even when it does not agree with with our companies, with what we say anyway, is, is our company's uh, general position?
3: Yeah, I think that companies were pretty open about saying, you know, there's no 100% alignment on this front, and we work to address climate change in other ways.
2: Well, that would be fair enough, I guess, uh, Rachel, uh, except there is a a Democratic Attorney General's Association apparently now. They also accept these uh, so-called donations from these corporations. And yet you write that uh, during the time frame, uh, I guess this is 2014 to 2017, these 27 companies donated about $3.3 million to the Republicans. Uh, and 23 of them gave, collectively gave about 1.9 to the uh, same uh, to the parallel Democratic organizations. So, doesn't that under, uh, undercut their claims that hey, we're just giving to politicians because uh, that's what we need to do as as companies to stay in business? That they're giving more to one group, radically more, I would say, to one
3: group than the other. Well, what I would say to that is, is first, clarify that you know some Democratic states, mm-hmm. um, attorneys generals or governors, um, put in their suit against against the Clean Power Plan as well, while a majority definitely vied um, to support the Clean Power Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it isn't necessarily a one-to-one match there. But yeah, I mean, the Democrat Attorneys General Association uh, didn't raise as much money, and and their um, their executive director was not shy in talking to us about that.
2: And what 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 did he say? I mean, when if the idea is, hey, we just need to give to politicians because that's the way we do business in twenty seventeen. What did did he have an explanation for the fact that they were giving uh, in many cases? And I, I want to try to name and shame some of these companies in a second. But in many cases, it was like twice as much to the Republican Attorney General's Association as it was to the Democrats
3: yeah I mean so the Republican Attorneys General didn't talk to us but the Democratic the Democratic Attorneys General Association did say that they saw that more money was going to their Republican counterparts than that it was affecting elections um, and but that they but he also said, and he was pretty clear about this, that money flowing at least to the Democratic Attorneys General Association isn't changing their stances on issues.
2: It is not changing. The, well, they can say that, and uh, hopefully they're they're right. But uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. And and yet the and, and the Republican uh, Attorney General Association wouldn't even respond to your queries.
3: Yeah, we did reach out to them uh, a number of times that week. We were not
2: able to get on the phone with someone over there. Okay, I'm shocked. Uh, just to, uh, if you don't mind, I want to, as I said, name and shame some of these companies since you list them. Uh, about twenty-seven of them in your piece who donated big sums of money, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars each to both the uh, the Raja. Uh, and the DAGA, or whatever we're calling that, the the Democrats, uh, between 2014 and 2017, when these Republicans were filing these cases, these legal efforts to block the Clean Power Plan, even at the same time the companies were, uh, many of them, having a completely different public position. So among the groups who gave substantively more to the uh, Republicans than the Democrats here, um, eBay, Citigroup, Monsanto, Walmart, Facebook, Exxon Mobil. Exxon gave zero to the Democrats. Coca-Cola, uh, which gave, for example, they gave two hundred more than two hundred thousand to the Republicans. They gave just seventy-five thousand to the Democrats. Google, Microsoft, General Electric, Yahoo, PepsiCo, Dow Chemical, uh, who gave zero to Democrats. J.P. Morgan Chase, Western Union, Hewlett Packard, Intel, Uber, Dupont, Solar City. Uh, which gave zero to Democrats. I want to ask you about that in a second. Uh, Lyft and uh, and Corning. Now, to be fair, there were a number of groups who came out in in favor of uh, Obama, uh, the Paris Agreement, who gave money to Republicans, but gave almost the exact same amount to uh, Democrats. And I guess their uh, their political payoffs, at least, are. Honest, because they go to both parties, that would be Best Buy, Bank of America, PayPal, Airbnb, and Novartis. But are these companies, are you able to tell in in their responses or from anything else? I mean, are they lying about their position on the Paris Agreement? Is there any evidence of that, or are they simply trying to have it both ways by saying one thing publicly and then paying these people off uh, who are trying to undermine the Paris Agreement?
3: You know, I think I think that's a really great question. Um, really, there isn't anything to say that they're lying. Um, but I think that what the campaign finance experts and business ethics experts told, told us was, you know, there has been an evolution. Companies are now speaking out on these more social issues, issues that might not be as closely connected to their core company mission. Mm-hmm. And when you speak out on these policies, there is a, a need to follow through with your actions, in this case money, on on what you say your position is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what they would tell companies and what they told us is there's a risk that your investors and your consumers who are connecting themselves with you because they... Uh, They value that you, for example, support climate action. uh, There's a risk that those same investors and consumers would turn on you, um, and it's happened before.
2: Well, there is a risk, but there's also a great upside in that, uh, you know, they get a lot of very good publicity, I I guess, at least amongst those people who support uh, the Paris Agreement and uh, the environment. and that is uh, a big a majority, frankly, of the of the the country supports uh, those initiatives. So they're getting a lot of upside there, even while they're getting uh, the, the less quiet upside by supporting these uh, these Republicans who are trying to undo it at the same time. how do How do we explain, Rachel Levin, the uh, a company like Solar City? Of all companies. Uh, a solar company, for crying out loud, founded by Elon Musk, uh, which obviously stands to benefit from the Clean Power Plan. How do we explain them supporting the group that tried to kill it? Were, were they one of the companies that responded to you on this?
3: Solar City did not want to comment um, for this story. We did reach out to them because we found that example so stunning. Uh, when the Clean power plan was initially stayed by the Supreme Court, their company's stock value just dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that they would donate not just once but at least twice within the time frame that we looked at um, to the Republican Attorneys General Association to us was was surprising, but we don't have any clarity on on why that was.
2: And by the way, only to the Republican Attorney General's Association, Solar City incredibly Gave zero dollars, one of the few companies here that actually gave zero dollars to the uh, to the Democratic uh, Association. Now, there are, are several companies, for example, you cite Murray Energy uh, with its uh, crazy CEO, Robert, uh, Robert Murray, who's a huge supporter of Donald Trump, uh, that, you know, both at, at least they're consistent. They both oppose the Obama environmental initiatives and they support uh, the Republicans. But the corporations with this seemingly hypocritical public position can hardly say they did not know uh, about the Republican uh, Attorney General's Association's position on this. You note on your report at CPI that halting implementation of Obama's signature climate change initiatives was the listed as the top accomplishment on its website. So these companies knew who they were investing in, right?
3: Yeah, that is what the campaign finance and business ethics experts would argue, is that this was not at all a quiet a quiet opposition to the clean power plan or subtle. This was overt, and the Republican Attorney General Association has cited it as one of its top accomplishments.
2: <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, it, it feels to me like this should put an end to the idea, if anybody even still believes it anymore in this country, the political spending of this type... I mean, it's really nothing more than a political payout. It's it's bribery. I mean, if you're giving if you're giving money to these groups and they're not even necessarily supporting what it is that you support, what it is that your company needs. I I mean, can we see it any as anything other than payouts, bribery, Rachel?
3: You know, I think that companies would say that these kinds of political donations, that this is how our political system is set up for these companies to get access to lawmakers, decision makers. Some of them even cited uh, cited education as a the reason. They want to be able to educate these decision makers on issues that affect their companies. And, you know, it it is an imperfect political system, I think, that that can be said from all sides. So... I think that companies don't really see this as bribes. They see this as a way to make sure that their ver- their voices are heard and that's definitely an imperfect system. No one is going to argue there.
2: Well, yeah, I mean if they don't call it bribery, it's uh I I think I would but uh, maybe pay to play is a more generous uh <laughs> a generous way to put it. I I really don't know how anyone can argue otherwise when you see these You know, one public position and then another one behind the scenes with these uh, with these political payouts. But as I said, uh, given the madness of King Donald these days, uh, this sort of corporate hypocrisy and or bribery and or pay to play is is getting a lot less attention in the media. It seems of late. So, uh, Rachel Levin, I want to thank you and the Center for Public Integrity for staying on the beat anyway.
3: Thanks so much, and
2: thanks so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, we will keep an eye on your coverage of these sorts of stories as they as they move forward, and as we can find oxygen for it uh, in the Trump era. Thank you so much. Uh, you can check out Rachel Levin's report with Jamie Smith Hopkins at the Center for Public Integrity, uh, headlined "These Companies Support Climate Action." So why are they funding opposition to it? Good question, and uh, you can go see the the list of those 27 companies uh, over at publicintegrity.org. You can also follow Rachel on the Twitters at Rachel P. Levin, and uh, the Center for Public Integrity on the Twitters at Public Eye. Thanks again, Rachel, for joining us today. Thanks again. Okay, we're running late, so i got to get out, but... Uh, I'm sorry, I just find that uh, to be amazing, amazing hypocrisy. I mean, imagine if Donald Trump, remember he was—he gave that money to Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi and then she suddenly dropped her investigation of Trump University. Imagine if he had done that after he had uh, been opposing everything that Pam Bondi stood for and then gave her that money. Do you think we'd call that hypocrisy? So, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But glad to get it out there. Uh, yeah, talking to you, Google and uh, Elon Musk. Really? Elon Musk? All right. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, of course, to Rachel Levin, uh, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, this or any other broadcast. While you're there, we thank you for stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we're, we're still trying to do every day over your public airwaves. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Find me, follow me and share us worldwide at simply the Brad blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.